Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Amen. Well, I know that our God can and he will do it again. I actually do believe that. And um, in fact, that is the message that I want to deliver to you this evening out of Psalm 44. Um, I won't read through the entire passage. There's 26 verses. I will, over the course of talking to you this evening about it, we'll read much of the, much of the psalm. But I would encourage you, if you have a copy of God's Word, please go ahead and get that in front of you and open that up so you can follow along because I'll reference each of these verses as we go through this. But I believe that our God will do it again. I'm reminded back, I was actually thinking, just riding down the road, um, just here at McConnell Road Baptist Church. And some of y'all, most of y'all have a lot more history than I have, but just a little bit that I have is we've got a church here that was founded It'll be 75 years this fall, 75 years ago. The stories that I've heard, I mean, I can't even imagine something like this happening in 2020, but there was a, I mean, some of it was a product of the time, I recognize that, but nonetheless, you've got people, families in an area that were interested in, in forming a church. They'd been meeting on their own for a while. Of course, certainly uh, Brother Ellis was part of getting that going, and, all, and, and the Lord used them in an amazing way I mean, just you think about the stories. that, that they, didn't, they didn't have a whole lot. They didn't have a whole lot going on. But they loved the Lord enough to get something started here. And, of course, the Lord, I think, worked in that. I'm thinking about my own personal history. My dad, T.J. Tilly, some of y'all have met him. You've heard him preach. Um, certainly he's per- personally important to me. He's my daddy, so obviously I love him. But just hearing his story of salvation, here's a man that by all, in, by all accounts was not good for a whole lot. And I say that about my daddy, and I love him dearly. He would tell you that. He wasn't good for a whole lot. But he had, was back, going back to Vietnam for his second tour. His brother had been sharing the gospel with him over and over, gave him a New Testament, and here he is flying back to, back to a war zone. He's flying back over there and reads that New Testament, and God gets a hold of him. He transforms his heart, changes his life, Certainly he has to, to work out another tour of duty over there, but he makes his way back here. And, of course, God has used him to start countless churches, countless churches, to do amazing things. That I, and, again, I, I recognize he's my dad, so I've got a little bias going on, but I'm just telling you, I, those are facts that I just shared with you. He's used him in that way. Some of you all are familiar with in the previous decades of some of the revival meetings and tent meetings and camp meetings that used to go on. I've heard many stories. This is before my time, so I'm not speaking of experience. I'm just telling you the stories that I heard. People like Oliver Green going around preaching. Um, one, some of y'all might know him. John Long was a preacher in the area that he would go around down east in some places and preach. And if you know Jack Tripp, who was in our pulpit this past fall, he was actually saved under his ministry, under John Long's ministry. John Long had a church down there, and I think it was around Greenville somewhere down in that area. And he had a radio ministry, and Jack Tripp was telling about this, that his, that his mom and daddy wouldn't take him to church, 
but John Long would preach about how you wicked people won't bring your youngins to church. And his mom and daddy got under conviction, got brought him into church, and Jack Tripp got saved in that church. And, 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 and those are not isolated instances. Those are simply the things that this 40-something-year-old man who doesn't have a whole lot of that personal experience, I'm just telling you the story. Those are the stories that I can remind myself of. If we even go back further, I'm, I'm reminded of a, there was a preacher, he was, he was a man from Guilford County in the 1700s. This is right after the Revolutionary War. man from Guilford County, he was a Presbyterian, so I think God will save a few Presbyterians every now and again too. Uh, but he, he, was, he, was, he was in Guilford County, that's where he was from. He went and took a church over in Orange County, and they ran him out of town on a rail. Orange County's been God-forsaken for a while. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's a joke for any of y'all that are from Orange County. It's a beautiful place. I love that place. We lived there for years. But he took a church over there, and they run him out of town, and God put him over in Kentucky, and he started some church, or he was working with some churches in Kentucky, some Presbyterian churches over there, and God used that man through the, the prayer of God's people to start a revival that not only saw that section of Kentucky transformed by the grace of God, but it was part of a revival that really spread throughout the early 1800s. It spread throughout, really, the southeast for the most part at that time. And it was an amazing revival. And I'm, I'm telling you these, here, per, here locally, what was it, 15, 16, 17? Just two or three years ago, we had a revival just down the road that's often known and referred to as the Burlington Revival. And, and while certainly I'd love to have seen some more long-term effects from that, that you've got to admit there was a move of God that was happening there. Brother, Brother Townsend was, was preaching, and there were other preachers that were involved in that, and there were, there were crowds that came to that. And, and I believe a lot of people we saw came to Christ. There's even some in our church that we could say, I believe it was Landon, right? Brent, Landon received Christ. He accepted Christ at one of those meetings. So the point is we've seen this happen before. We've seen some powerful moves of God. And if you ever talk to my father-in-law or my daddy or some of, some of y'all that have been around, you, you, could, you, could, you could give you the stories of what God's done before. Or God's done some amazing things. And that's what the psalm is talking about. In fact, this psalm, Psalm 44, was uh, sung by Israel, referring back to what often when they were in when they were in captivity they would go back to this psalm because they would say we know what god's done before we know what he's done before so if you look with me in psalm 44 verse 1 it says we have heard with our ears O god our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old we've heard the old stories have we not i tried to relay a few of them to you Again, I don't have enough history to really tell you the, the power of some of those stories that were really there, but I've heard the old stories. Some of y'all were active and involved when things like the Gulf War came along. Y'all remember that? Remember what God was doing in our churches at that time? I mean, there were people that hadn't darkened a door in years that showed up. So we know what God can do. We know what God is capable of doing. He says in verse 2, How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither by their own arm save them, but thy, might, thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou had a favor unto them. We've heard the old stories. 
We've seen how God has defeated people who were against him. We've seen how God gave blessings that not, were not done because of man's abilities, but were done because God was just simply blessing. Like I've said, revivals and lives changed and churches built and grown. I can personally attest in my own life how God has provided for my needs in ways that I could have never imagined. He's given things for me that I would have never imagined that he would have done. I definitely didn't deserve it. I definitely didn't. Just like they were saying at verse 3, it wasn't about my own sword, my own hand. It was God's hand of provision. In fact, I believe those old stories. That's what it says there in verse 4. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. He's our rescuing king. He will defeat our enemies. I believe those old stories. I believe that's the God that did that. He's my savior. Verse 7, thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God, we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. He's the one that we can praise. We believe that God can. I believe, and I believe that you believe with me, that God can and did what we saw or heard about. Some of us just heard about it, but some of us saw it with our own eyes. We believe that God can do it, and God will do it, and he is that God. He is the one that accomplished that. We don't believe these are, these are old wives' tales or tall tales from, from, from out of school. These are absolute true stories of God's hand of intervention. We believe that. Because he is a God who does amazing things. That's what I believe about my God. But here's the problem. We're not feeling so victorious right now. We're just not. Look at verse 9. But thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies. Question is, do we have the power of God on us right now or not? I have to admit, I sometimes wonder, where's God at? I don't just mean that as we were talking about this morning where there is, and there are times where you personally feel down and emotionally distraught. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about, this is the church of God right here. I'm talking about this church, and I know I'm sort of pointing at the physical building, but I'm indicating the people who are part of McConnell Road. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And he says in Matthew that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And the reason is not because you've got a good preacher or that you've got a good crowd or that you've got good deacons or that you've got a great building. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that we're built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. But the question then comes back to me is, well, I'm not feeling so victorious right now. Why is that? Is it because the power of God's left the building? He goes on in verse 10, he says, Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy. We're losing. We're actually running from those people that we should be going against. And here's the reality of it. And it's here true at McConnell Road Baptist Church. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves about it. But it's not just us. It's every other church that I've ever been associated with. We're losing our young people, people who should be on the front lines of the battle for the Lord. We're seeing them falling away, not coming back, not being faithful. It's going around, and thankfully, at least as far as I know, in recent years at least, you've not had any problem with this at this church, but it's, not, uh, it's, it's, it's unusual because there's, it's all over. You've got preachers falling away, preachers that ought to be standing firm on the truth 
and they're doctrinally falling away. You got people who ought to be morally good and right, and they're falling because of that. And the preachers who are supposed to be the leaders, the ones leading this charge, they're, the, they're part of the problem, and we're losing the battle. And it makes you wonder, why in the world are we not victorious like we ought to be? He says in verse 11, Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat. <laughs> not sheep that are just being shorn for their wool, but appointed for meat. We're going to butcher those things. Thou hast scattered us among the heathen. We're being divided and we're being slaughtered. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells me that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's exactly what the devil's trying to do. He knows that we are lambs in every sense of the word, lambs. Some of us are stupid <laughs> and we don't know any better. And the devil's just checking and waiting for us to get on the outside, and he does that. And there's some, some of us have even fallen in that way, but, but for the grace of God that he's brought us back. And thank the Lord for that. But the devil's ready to devour us. But you know what's worse? Bad enough that the devil's after us. But what the devil don't get, church members do. We eat our own. We don't even need the devil to defeat us because we can do that just fine by ourselves. Thank you very much. Makes me upset with myself that this happens. Why in the world I'm supposed to be part of this church who is supposed to be victorious and nothing can stand against it, yet we can almost, it's almost as if we're tripping over our own shoelaces, divided and slaughtered. He says, is this, the question really comes to the psalmist's mind, and it comes to my mind, is, is this what God's people are supposed to be like? In verse 12, he talks about how they're being sold out. They're selling out. And it's bad enough to be a sellout, but it's what's worse is they're losing money on the transaction. Can you imagine selling out and still not even making any money? That's what they're doing there in verse 12. He says, thou sellest thy people for naught, and thou dost not increase thy wealth by their price. You're losing money on selling out. And you know what the church has become? Again, I'm just trying to be honest to look in the mirror of, mirror of God's word and recognize the reality that we're in. The church has become, in the communities around us, the church has become a laughingstock, verse 13. The church has become a bad example. That's what you don't want to be like. And it leaves the psalmist, just like it leaves many of us, confused. Look at verse 15. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered up hath me hath covered me makes you confused and embarrassed can i can i just tell y'all that's not the way it's supposed to be being part of the church of jesus christ well certainly there will be suffering certainly there will be people who oppose us i understand that that's part of the scripture we know that's going to happen but the way this is supposed to be is that we are following our great king our great god our leader he is going to do an amazing work we should be seeing that and when we not when we're not it's makes the question is this what it's supposed to be like and the reaction from the community is what we see in verse 16. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth, blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger. Blasphemy and unwickedness, and wickedness, excuse me, goes unchecked and unanswered. That verse there, verse, uh, verse 16, the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth, it brings to my mind, you remember David over in 1 Samuel 17? David is going out there to bring his brother some lunch and he sees a big old soldier just a 
man of war out there. Certainly, Goliath was built for battle, but he apparently had a mouth of a sailor on him. I don't know what he was saying. He was built for battle, but he had a mouth of a sailor on him. And he kept hearing, David kept hearing Goliath cursing God, cursing the people of God, saying blasphemous things. And David's response in 1 Samuel 17, and I think it's verse 28, he says, is there not a cause? Is there not somebody that's willing to stand up against this garbage? Is there not somebody that's willing to get their, their fingers dirty? And there's somebody that's willing to put their selves in the battle? Is there not a cause? And I want to have that attitude that I have ought to have. We ought to have a higher expectation of God's people and God's work. They ought not be satisfied just to go along to get along. We ought to look at ourselves and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. God is bigger than this. God can use us better than this. We can accomplish more than this. And yes, we are weak. I recognize that. We are not able to do it. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the problem. If I can, I'll get back to my message in just a minute. But here's the problem. We are not leaning on the Holy Spirit of God. We're leaning on the arms of the flesh. And the arm of the flesh will fail you every time. Every time. But I believe we ought to have a higher expectations of God's people and God's work. But for some reason, we're not seeing that reality. Why is that? I, I'm not sure if I can completely understand. I believe one of my assessments, my personal assessment, is we're leaning on the wrong things. We're leaning not on the Holy Spirit of God. But I will assure you of this. Even though we are in a mess right now, and we are, we still serve the same God that we've always served. Circumstances will change, but our God is the forever and ever and ever the same. This is what he says in verse 17. He says, all this has come upon us, yet, we, yet have we not forgotten thee. Neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. We know who we follow. I will say that the true church of Jesus Christ always knows who it follows. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice. When Jesus speaks, we know who he is. The true church of Jesus, we, they, sometimes we get a little dirty, sometimes we get a little off the track. I understand that. That happens. We're human beings, we're sinners, we fail. But we have never lost sight of our God. We know who he is. We know who he is. We continue to follow him, as he says there in verse 19. Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death, we will continue to follow him even though we must go, as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, through the valley of the shadow of death. We will follow with him. Why is that? Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We know in verses 20 and 21, it's what he says here in this passage, he will chasten us if we are his, he will chasten us if we're not right, we know that, but we will follow him because he is true, he is faithful, he can be trusted. So no matter what the cost is, we're going to follow him. Though he slay me, Job says, yet I will trust him. So we're going to follow him no matter what. Because, why are we going to follow him? Because he 
is victorious. I want you to see this in verse 22. He says, Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And you say, well, Matthew, where in the world do you see victory in that? Here's where I see victory in that. I don't know if you know your Bible well enough to know this, this reference, verse 22. It is almost a word for word. It is quoted, rather, word for word in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, I'd like to, to read that. In fact, why don't you, if you've got your Bible, let's just turn over there really quick. Hold your place from Psalms because we're going to come back to it. He's gonna read, we're just going to read how, how he reads it in Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin reading it in verse 36. Or rather, let's go on. Let's start up here in verse 33 so we can get the whole context. Romans 8, verse 33. He says, this is Paul writing to the Romans. He says, who is he that, excuse me, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, all, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Can any of those things separate us from God? He says now in verse 36, now see if you see this verse is familiar at all. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, listen, people can kill us if they want to. They can slaughter us, but nothing is going to separate us from God. He says in verse 37, nay, in all these things, even in death, even in persecution, in these things, we are actually more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to follow our God. We serve that God. We know that no matter what comes, no matter how bad it gets, and it's going to get bad, and if it ain't already bad, it's going to get worse. It will. It is. But we're going to follow him no matter what comes because we believe that our God, no matter what we endure, is going to make us a conqueror. So we are going to be more than conquerors. So all that's to simply say we believe that God has done all these wonderful things in the past. Psalm 44, verses 1 through 8. We believe that we are in a mess right now. Things aren't like they ought to be. That next section going down to about verse... Uh, verse uh, 18, 19. But then we understand that we're going to, we're serving the same God. If God is the God that did those amazing things in the past, if God is God, even though we're in a mess, if God is God, the same God we still serve, then you know what we need to do? We need to ask him to do it again. This is what he says here in verse 23. I want you to see this. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression. If we have real faith, we try to talk about this a little bit on Wednesday night. Do you know what real faith looks like? It means you're going to act on what you believe. Do you really have faith in God? Well, then go ahead and cry out to him. That's what we've been talking about on Sundays. Call out to God. Cry out to him. Pray to him. 
the psalmist here is asking, are you asleep, God? And I can go ahead and tell you the answer. No, God's not asleep. Psalm 121 just told us that. He never sleeps. He's not asleep. He's not forgotten us. He's not hiding. He's the same God who moved mountains in previous generations. He's the same God who saved souls. He's the same God who transformed lives. He's the same God who did all of those things, those stories we tell, those stories that we can all give account to because we've heard the stories. We've been, some of you have been on the front row of some of those revival meetings and some of those situations where you've seen God work. That's the same God we serve. So we're going to call out to him and say, yeah, Lord, it feels like you're asleep. It feels like you're forgotten us. It feels like you're hiding. But we know you are the God we serve. And what, is we, what are we going to do? Look at verse 25. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Can you picture what, they're doing, what he's doing there? He's completely prostrate before God. He says, I am bowed down before you, God. I am humbling myself before you. I'm coming to you, God, saying that I know you can do it again, but if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. He is humbling himself. He is putting himself down, saying, Lord, if I'm to be lifted up, it is you that are going to have to do it. You are the one that's going to exalt me. And so he says in verse 26, the prayer that I want to pray, arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. We need to ask God for help. We need to ask God to make us the church that we're supposed to be. I believe that this stay-at-home order is going to be lifted in the month, next month or so, next few weeks. I hope it's sooner than that, but I believe it'll be... I, I, you know, it's one of those things where about a year from now we'll look back and we'll say, you remember when we were all stuck at the house? Of course, we'll be, I, I can imagine, I'm actually imagining now, they let that stay-at-home order lift and there's going to be more work to do than we can all shake a stick at. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I think it's a wonderful thing because that's what God put us on this earth to do, to do our work. But what we're going to do is we're going to forget that we were upset right now. We're going to forget that. And we need to say, Lord, I need your help, not just to get me out of the mess I'm in, but to make me what I'm supposed to be. You do understand those of you that are listening to me, the reason this is important to you, at least I hope it's the reason it's important to you, is because your Savior, the one who died for you, left this earth and left you a mission. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, I want you to let everybody know all the things that I've taught you, I want you to teach to other people. You understand that you are here for a purpose, and that purpose is to be the church of Jesus Christ in this world. So when we all do go back to work and everything gets back to, we can go to the restaurants and we can get our kids back in schools and we can go on vacation and we can do all those things and that's going to happen before you know it. It will happen. Let us not forget that we want to ask our God for help to be who we're supposed to be no matter what. And it won't be help unless it's from Him. It won't be redemption unless it's His. And it won't be mercy unless it's Him. I want to ask God to do it again. You know what I want to see God do? I want to see some souls saved. I want, I'm pointing up here to the front of this church, there's a baptismal pool. Some of y'all may not even know that because we haven't been able to stir the waters too often around here. We've done that a couple of times since I've been the pastor. But I'd like to have that thing full all the time. 
because there's always somebody getting saved that needs to be baptized. Do you know that there were times that, that that's actually how they had to do it? That they wouldn't, I mean, they would just basically need to make sure that they, they kept the water clean. But they, they, of course, maybe sometimes went down to the, the creek or the pond or whatever, but they, they were constantly baptizing people. Wouldn't you love that if that was something that God, I, God can do that? I want to see God save people and us have to baptize them all the time. Just rotating every service. Man, we've got to stay for another baptism. Well, that's all right. We're going to do that. I'd like to see, yes, I'd like to see exciting meetings. I enjoy a, a good meeting, a good preaching, and a good singing. I enjoy that as good next as the next, much as the next person. But you know what I really want to see? It's not just some big-name man coming in here and some big-name singers coming in here. I, I want to see real, lasting revival in the hearts of men and women. Men and women who will never know their names, but they will have an impact on their families and their communities for generations to come. That's what I want to see, and our God can do it again. He's done it before. Some of y'all are, are products of that, where it's, maybe it's mom and daddy that, was, that had been transformed. Maybe, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher that had te taught you. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was just a, a, a neighbor that was beside of you that took you to church. There were people like that. That's the kind of revival I want us to see. I want to see marriages. I, I, one of the things that's worrisome coming out of this uh, stay-at-home order and all the things that are going on is <laughs> people's kind of getting to see who they really married and spending some time with them, and they don't like what they see. And I'm concerned that there's two possible concerns that I have. One is that we're going to have people that have some real problems that I, as your pastor, want to be able to help you with those things, and I genuinely do. I don't know if I'm prepared to help you, but I want to help you. But the other concern is that y'all ain't going to deal with the problem and those cracks are going to show up now and it's going to bust up later. But I want you to know that our God is the kind of God and I want to see him do this where he saves those marriages. He reconciles those marriages and he strengthens those marriages. I want, him to, I want to see God save our children. Wouldn't you love to see that? I know, I know we're all concerned about our children and grandchildren. We are. I want to see God save them to give them that quiet and peaceable life as 1 Timothy 2 talks about. I want to see that. I want to see him turn our communities upside down. I want to see him plant some more churches. I'd like to see McConnell Road Baptist Church Part 2. In 1945, they planted a church here by the grace of God. I don't know that it was any sort of mission board national effort. It was just some people who had a heart for God who wanted to see God work here. Wouldn't it be awesome if he did it again through this church? That'd be incredible. I think he can. I know he can. So what are we going to do? We're going to ask him to do it again. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.